Greetings, precious kinklings. You're listening to K is for Kinky, your one-stop shop for everything kinkified. Woohoo! That is a new opening I made up just now in my head that I think we should totally adopt and use universally across the platform. Mm, no. Counter argument. Yes. <laughs> Veto power held. Um, today we're talking about anticipatory service and anxiety. Hello, and welcome to the K is for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Um, what are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be discussing my favorite topic because it's something that I think about every day, which is my anxiety level. Um, and more so, just anxiety in general and how that plays a role for people who have it in their submission. Um, specifically with the intersection, look at that big word, of anxiety and anticipatory service in DS. I feel we should start with a Wikipedia entry. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not going to oh read God. Wikipedia for this episode. I do in other episodes, but uh, it's been brought to my attention by many teachers that I've had over the course of my entire life that Wikipedia is not a good source for information, even though it is, it technically isn't. So we'll just tell you what we know about the words anticipatory service. Shen, what is that stuff? What is it? Um, I mean, when we're talking about power exchange, anticipatory service is... Typically, when the S-type tries to anticipate what service their D-type needs or wants. The best definitions <laughs> have the words you're defining right back in the definition. It cycles so. you back to the see words first. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, when I hear them talk about anticipatory service, they talk about it in the sense of there's kind of like, like there's training around it first which seems counter to the idea but then after that the s-type can kind of figure out okay like here's things that my d-type enjoys or and they can try to anticipate those things um without being yeah. approached first so anticipatory service to me is a mindset because when you are providing anticipatory service you are legitimately basically like trying to go beyond the bar. Like you are trying to reach as high as you can reach every single day to provide the most excellent service every day. Um, and you're constantly having to be geared towards how can I do better service? How can I do this better? How can I help their life be better? It's a really beautiful sentiment. Um, and as Ms. Jen pointed out, it's a bit easier to provide successful anticipatory service if you know the person you're serving well. Um, I have experienced myself in a group setting providing anticipatory service and having it turned into a hilarious joke because the d-type i was serving actually didn't want me to remove trash from the table in front of him because he was playing with it so um that's kind of a joke situation we um, talked about that in another episode we did talk about it in another episode which is why i'm glossing over but maybe yeah. i shouldn't maybe i should be more clear i was in a high well, i was just setting. gonna tell people listen to that episode if you knew which episode it was to uh-huh. force them cross to cross promotion of episodes we will withhold the story from this episode to force you to listen to the <laughs> exactly. other episode for high protocol I believe it's high protocol yeah. um revival the it's a couple episodes back so check that out <laughs> Ooh. anyways the point is 
Anticipatory service when not asked for can have consequences if you are serving a D-type who is not your D-type. Um, and the consequences might just be the D-type telling you don't do that. It might just be that you provided a service that wasn't needed or wanted, and so you just have to suck it up. Um, usually, though, I've noticed that it's appreciated. Generally speaking, at least 70% of the time, if you're providing anticipatory service, it's seen as, oh, this S-type is really stepping it up. Um, one thing I would caution against, do not provide any service to a D-type that isn't yours if it's not the setting. So, like, if it's a high-protocol setting, it's appropriate to provide service or to offer it. But in any other setting, you really want to ask before you do something like that because it can be seen as pushing a dynamic. Yeah. So, but right now we're going to be talking about anticipatory service when it's consensual and inside of probably either a power exchange or just within a relationship you have with somebody where service would be appreciated or expected. Um, I think the piece of this too to remember is that even if it's within your own personal dynamic, you may do anticipatory service and have it not be something that they necessarily want at that time. And that's okay. Yeah. Like I know for me, I still appreciate the effort behind it. Like I appreciate, it's kind of like when people say like, I may never want to go out and do activities, but I appreciate being asked. <laughs> it's kind of like that. I'm like, going to live a cave life in yeah. my dwelling and never emerge. Yeah. But please still ask me to come out, even though you know I will always say no. I need the invitation. Yeah, but but I mean, not quite that bad. But like, you know, just because I don't feel like drinking a cup of tea at that moment doesn't mean that it doesn't it, it isn't good to have somebody offer. Are you are you uh, recalling the time when I brought you a really beautiful cup of tea that you had no interest in? Was there, wasn't there a flower on the tea the tea thing? And you're like, oh my god, it's so beautiful. Take it away. <laughs> Maybe. That definitely happened. Um, so anticipatory service is really interesting because as you can hear um, from the brief description we gave earlier, the idea of anticipatory service is that there basically is no bar or rather the bar is not enough. Um, you are trying to give things that, they, that are not being asked for and to anticipate the D-type's need, needs. Um, and it's a really wonderful way of serving, but Obviously, the other side of this coin, from an anxiety standpoint, uh, is a pretty dark coin. And I think it's why a lot of S-types fear doing anticipatory service or avoid it. Um, at least the ones with anxiety that I've met tend to struggle with anticipatory service. And here's why. I have anxiety. I have OCD. I like to understand the parameters of everything I'm doing. I like to know when a task is complete. I like to understand uh, how to do it right and um I also like to know when I can be done doing a task so that I can rest because I spend a lot of my time when I'm not working, not in service or not like actively doing something for my dominant. I spend the rest of that time trying to take care of myself and to regulate myself. And to be honest, regulating myself is a full-time job. So, you know, it's fine. I'm sure that's true for everyone. For me, approaching service from the headspace of always being in anticipatory service is very challenging and frightening because it means that there is never a time when you've hit the bar. There is never a time really when enough is enough because you're always having to reach, reach, reach. And that can cause extra anxiety, even though you can look at it in a more healthy viewpoint. We'll talk about that in a second. For some people, it's dysregulating to not know what's expected of them. And anticipatory service is deliberately going beyond the realm of expectation into something else. Um, so 
for a very long time, I really avoided anticipatory service because I knew it caused me dysregulation and anxiety because I never felt like what I was doing was enough. And it started to become panicky. Like, I have to do something else now, something new now, something better now. That wasn't good enough. That didn't get a good enough reaction. Now she's expecting that. Like, there's a fear as well that I had early on that if I provided absolutely excellent 110% service all the time, that would be the expectation. And so the gift of me going above and beyond would not be a gift. It would be an expectation. And I would just run myself ragged, you know. Um, And that was really frightening for me because my energy is already something that can be completely destroyed if I overextend myself in any one direction. Um, What are your thoughts on this before I kind of go into the more positive side and the way that I've kind of healed through this fear? What what do you want to say to that? I mean, I think, you know, the, the expectations come from what's been negotiated or discussed. So I would think, I don't, I don't know what your process was to kind of help with that. Um, with anticipatory service becoming a new expectation. But I would think that kind of reframing it as these are things that are extra and not expected. And just because you do one of those things once, like granted, maybe, maybe the D type is like, okay, well now I want that to be, you know, expect, but again, it's not like they're, I mean, hopefully they're not going to secretly think, oh, this is a new expectation. Hopefully they'll communicate like, hey, I really liked this thing. Can we make this part of our, you know, our our agreement? And so at least it's not something that you have to guess. Well, and I kind of want to call myself out, but also sort of put something very transparently and like just baldly on the table here for a second. Baldly? Bald, like bald, like there's nothing covering it. It's like a bald truth. Oh. Never heard that before? Okay. Tell it to you bald. Baldy? Now I'm just using the word bald a lot in different words. Um, If you approach submission and service specifically through a lens and a feeling of scarcity where you don't have enough energy for yourself and you are expending more energy than you've ever expended before to serve someone else, that is a recipe for burnout. And I feel like as somebody who has high anxiety, high OCD, And also who was entering into a very new situation and service was totally brand spanking new to me, LOL, pun intended. In the beginning of our dynamic, for me, I wanted to serve, but I had a panic over how much energy can I give? How much can I do? My confidence in my own ability to provide service was not strong. And I was very aware of the fact that my energy is a limited resource and I could easily be burnt out. And so I think when we protect ourselves from burnout or we see our energy and our time as scarce, we are more likely to be um, very stingy, really, with our service. Um, And this isn't really the best headspace to offer service from. I think the best headspace to offer service from is without a doubt from a place of bounty and plentifulness. Um, I think it's healthiest to approach service as, hey, I want to give of myself and I'll stop giving of myself either when my boundaries are hit. Like I have a boundary, like if I'm physically exhausted, I'm going to have to stop. Or if I am too overwhelmed, I'll communicate that. Like it's okay to put up healthy boundaries and, and, you know, things like that to protect yourself from burnout. But service shouldn't be from a fearful place or a reluctant place. It should be from a willing place. And I think that was really challenging for me because of the extreme anxiety and OCD. 
um, anticipatory service in the beginning was way too much because the expectations that were already set for me were difficult for me already. Like I didn't need anything extra. I was trying to master basics. And um, obviously at this point in our relationship, five and a half years in and getting very close to the six-year mark, um, I don't feel that way anymore. But there, I also have something that I didn't really have or think I could have in the beginning, which is the confidence that my partner knows me well enough to understand when my energy is low and cares enough about me to help guard my energy and to help hold my boundaries so that I don't hit a burnout. And that was something that I just didn't count on anyone else to do for me. And so I self-regulated by being very, very protective over my energy by basically refusing to do anything I wasn't explicitly asked to do. I was, I was very clear. If you ask me to do it, I will try to do it. Um, but if you don't ask it of me, I'm not going to do it. And as a result of that headspace, I feel like my submission and also more specifically my service um, was limited. It was limited. I, I definitely was able to control, you know, expectation, but I, I was really unable to express organically to my dominant without fear of that becoming expectation and then, you know, my love not mattering anymore basically because now it's required. Um, I, I was unable to give my dominant something that actually she really needs in terms of love language. My dominant is a type of person who does best and receives love best when it's offered freely and suddenly. Like having things that she doesn't expect to be there suddenly there, that that level of thoughtfulness really, I've noticed, moves her. Um, But that requires stepping out of the comfort zone. That requires going into anticipatory service. And as somebody with anxiety and OCD, um, I have had to arm myself accordingly. To, to be able to to offer that do you think that your ocd caused you to go into like well if i do this thing then i'll because i know that you had that with tasks like it was hard for you to break up tasks into smaller pieces so i'm i'm wondering if there was any part of that of like well if i offer to you know do this one thing then that means i well then then i'll have to do this other thing and kind of when you give I a mouse of- a cookie yeah <laughs> A little bit like when you give a mouse cookie, it just leads to more. But I think for me, like, and here's an example of something that recently happened. So, like, first of all, another mindset that I had coming into my DS and into this relationship that I'm not surprised I had, but I will tell you right now, it's just not the best mindset to have when you're entering into DS unless you've consensually negotiated it. I came into the relationship almost like seeking a parental figure, which is not even unusual, but I also approached that situation with a child's mindset. So I'm, I'm, I'm an adult, I'm mature, I'm emotionally whatever, and I've grown a lot and all the shit. But if you approach from the stance of I'm going to do tasks and I'm going to offer to do them and I'm going to take care of them, but these are really chores and I will take care of my chores, but I don't like chores. I just am offering to do them to help out. And I know it's expected of me and I'll do that, but I don't like it and I'm not looking for extra chores. Like that was the mindset. And that's a very childlike mindset to be real it is it's like that's what kids do you know and I'm I understand where I was at when that happened like I I'm at a place in my personal growth where instead of being angry with myself for who I was or for how I thought I acknowledge and hold space for the fact that that was where I was at that time and I wouldn't be where I am today right now if that person didn't grow and learn and I'm proud of that person so with that being said however 
still not super healthy or um, conducive to a, to a strong dynamic to be approaching your tasks and your service as if it's something that like you don't really want to do, but you owe it to your partner. So you just do it because what that leads to is you avoiding new tasks, you know? So like there's kind of many things I could say about the anxiety surrounding anticipatory service, but I want to hold that piece there. And um, also that feeling of it'll get out of control. It'll get out of hand. My energy will too much, too much will be asked of me and I won't be able to meet it. I will set a standard on a day where my energy is super high that my dominant now expects every day, but I'm not always operating at full capacity every day. I can't always do this every day. And that was another fear on the other end of the spectrum of having that panic. And I think there is some validity to that. Like I have had you, Miss Jen, in the past tell me like, I've seen you operate at a high capacity. So why aren't you doing that most days? Like I want to get you there every day. And like, I don't know if you remember saying that, do you? You've I talked, think. I think it was in the past. It was, we were living in a different place too. So it was at least two or three years ago. You were like, I've seen you have days where you hit all the marks. So I know what you're capable of when you're really in your, your headspace and you're really productive, but you're not doing it every day. So I don't know what I have to do to get you there, but I know that you have the capacity to do this. Do you recall, recall any of this thought process? I don't, but it sounds like, well, the way I'd like to think about it is coming from a place of seeing potential and trying to like look at it from being your best self. Although I'm also coming to accept reluctantly that sometimes your best self, not you, this is the general you, is maybe not hyper productive. Yeah. <laughs> well, since all of us are emotionally drained and all of us are living in this world and we're living in this, and I'm going to say it, capitalistic society that really kind of values output, doesn't really take care of the person, it can be exhausting. And sometimes your best is a C minus. And what's important is that you show up and you give your best, but it's very hard not to be judgmental towards yourself. And I have had to accept as I actually have raised my productivity and I am becoming healthier, I still will have days where my best isn't my best best. You know, it's my best that day. And I think my dominant understands that at this point. Um, but I have had days where I can rearrange the house. I can clean everything and also run errands. I've had days where I am hyper productive to the point where I'm like, how did I do 30 things today? It's not my norm. That's like 10% of the time am I hyperproductive. And the fear of when I'm hyperproductive, that's the norm and I will burn myself out is a real fear. And I think that's where some people come from with anticipatory service. It's like hyperproductive service, you know. Um, but, uh, but I am at a place now in my understanding of myself and in my understanding of my service and my submission where I'm gearing more and more towards anticipatory service. And here is why. I don't approach my dynamic anymore through the lens of these tasks are chores. I approach my tasks, which I have a certain amount of mastery over at this point as well. Um, I approach the tasks as like, these are the things that I am responsible for that help contribute to my dynamic, that make our home work and the engine of our dynamic flow. I am like greasing the cogs. I am making sure 
that everything um, is functioning physically so that my dominant can focus on other aspects of our life. And this is something that I bring every day. The task is never done. Taking care of the home, taking care of my online responsibilities, working, all of these things are things, like there are tasks that I carry in me. Like I move with them. They are part of me and I, I give that energy to the dynamic, if that makes sense. So like I will do whatever I need to do and whatever I can do on any given day to make our home as comfortable as possible. Some days I'll be more hyperproductive than others, but I don't, I let the bar move based on my energy level. I set that bar every day. I have a bare minimum bar that I hit, but then I have days where I'm like, I have the energy, I'm going to do extra. And so when I allow myself each day to assess my energy and to look at these tasks as tasks that will forever be ongoing, it's not like they're ever just done and I get to check out. They're always happening and I'm always responsible for, for the things I bring to this dynamic Instead of panicking about that, I have to find a way to live in the dynamic always connected. And so that means that I have I give myself permission to move my energy bar up and down. Instead of I don't know if this makes sense. I it feel does. Like, I don't know. I I hope it does. I feel like I'm talking so blurrily about this, but like instead of seeing my tasks as a list of to-dos and then when they're done, they're done, the tasks are part of a whole. My real task is make this house clean and comfortable and make sure everything is stocked so that our life flows well. I have things that I physically do on a daily and weekly basis to accomplish that. But sometimes more is needed or I want to give more or I think of something new to do. And I allow myself to do the above and beyond without fear that it will be expected because maybe it is a better practice and I will adopt that better practice. But I also am not being, um, you know, stingy with my energy in that respect. If I can find a better way to do something, even if it takes me a little extra time and a little extra service, I've started to give that energy and time, trusting that if I ever come to you and say, I'm so tired or I'm overwhelmed and this is hard for me, you will help. Instead of being like, nope, you already set the bar. Now, you know what I mean? But the other thing too, like, man, a growth mindset means you want to give more and more energy. A growth mindset means wanting to improve and wanting to master things. And mastery takes time and energy. I couldn't be in this dynamic where we are today and growing if I had the mindset of I did my tasks and now I'm done. That is an, I think that's a reasonable thing to feel when you first start. But I would hope that somebody has grown in this much time, you know? Yeah. This is the advertisement. Advertisement. We actually don't have an advertisement because we are not sponsored. <laughs> um, we just use this opportunity to tell you stuff about us because that's what we can do. What I actually want to tell you about us today is not like any other interruption that you've ever heard. Because I want to tell you about things we do in real life beyond the podcast. Oh, um Miss Jen is an event coordinator. She's an event organizer. We run lost and found events together. I mean, she runs it. I'm, you know, the subordinate. But I definitely am, you know, a, I'm her little shadow. Um, some parties that we throw, Club Awakening, Club Edge, Kinky Karaoke, those are the big ones. Um, we're also uh, on a team with Mr. Cyan to run the High Protocol Revival Project. These are some of the things we are most proud of. And if you want to meet us, 
we're featured in LA. You can come see us uh, at Sanctuary Studios, which is where we do all of our events. Yeah, so if you come to any of them, we will be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'd love to see you if you if you want to come on out. Um, or if you're just curious about anything else we do from free support groups online to, you know, therapy. Miss Jen is a therapist. Um, check us yeah, out. That's one thing we don't do together. We do not do that together. No, no, no. I am not therapy. I mean, I guess I could, like, become a life coach. I believe the bar is much lower for life coaching than therapying. Yeah. You don't have to have a license. Yeah, that's true. I can just go in there and be like, I'm a life coach. we would love to see you so check that kind of stuff out you can actually find out more by going to akinkshrink.com which is miss jen's personal website um give it a shot let us know if you're gonna be visiting us because we think it'd be cool to be like oh we knew that jeremy was coming and there he is (laughs) woo jeremy like that'd be fun so also um, if you ever come up to us in person and are like oh my god i know you guys from your podcast and i listen we're always shocked and excited and so happy yeah, <laughs> that somebody make, is listening make our day <laughs> that's it <laughs> staring for that's the end of the advertisement back to the episode oh my god creepy you're creepy stop calling me creepy <laughs> you're creepy you creepy creeperson you're a creep a creep a creeper i made that up so i can use it that's my music trademark eden Creeper Creeper by Eden. Creeper be creeping. A couple weeks ago, I was having that kind of like hyper-focused energy going on. I was really on on point as a submissive that day. Yay me, right? Get up early, get my shit done. Miss Jen is still asleep, but it's an event day. And I'm like, you know what would be really cool for me to do? If I got into the garage and I get the heavy event boxes and I bring them inside so that when she comes out this morning, she sees the boxes already here and ready to be organized. And I did that. It was extra time, extra energy. I had to use my muscles. So sad. Um, she came out and she was she was blown away by it. I got a pink heart for that. And it's actually a better practice. It is a better practice for me to preset our day on an event day than it is to do it the way we've been doing it. And the reason it's better practice is not because we can't go into the garage and rifle through things right before we leave it's a better practice because my dominant is more calm and feels more in control of the environment. And it's easier to go through everything. (laughs) Yeah. It's a better practice. You have not regulated this since. And I actually have not been doing it since I did it the first time, partly because of this very topic. Like I want it to be special that I did that. I want you to care and to value that I brought that to the table. And if it becomes normal, I wouldn't get a pink heart. I wouldn't be recognized for that, that thought, you know, and yet it probably should be normal. I introduced an idea that is good for our dynamic and good for our life. And I think this is kind of me having to concede as the S-type and probably what all S-types would need to be willing to concede is that sometimes growth is applauded, but you don't stop growing. You don't stop there. So I should be willing to give this gift once and continue to give it as an expectation and find other gifts to give. I'm not actually really truly going to run out of gifts to give. And maybe the bar will be raised higher and higher. But shouldn't it be? That's stressful. As, a, as someone with anxiety, it is scary to be like, oh my god, the bar is raised higher because of what I did. Now I have to reach even higher every day. But honestly, if you're sitting on the bar and you're not moving and it doesn't, it's not challenging and it just is what it is, Where is the joy in building something that just stops? 
You know, it is scary. It is overwhelming to know I'll never be done. But honestly, I'm not in this dynamic to get to the end of it or to be done with it. I'm not doing these tasks to be done with them. I'm doing these tasks to make your life easier and to show service and love. It's a mindset change. And my anxiety is still active and present. But I don't let the anxiety dictate how my service is. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it is a growth mindset in terms of like, I think I was thinking about how I do things like that as well, like in terms of um, like I was thinking about my parties and like, you know, I'm always open to, to feedback and I'm always trying to improve wherever I can and in my events. And like one of the things that I had received feedback on and developed a system for was like the name tag system that we have and the color coding and all of that. And you know, it's like, yes, I, I think, I hope that it's helpful to, for people. And, um, but like, that's a whole new thing that I have to make sure that, you know, all the different colors of name tags are stocked and that I have enough Sharpie pens and that I have the box and the stickers and the the instruction cheat sheet thing and the light like there's a bunch more stuff that goes with that that might be a little bit more work on my end but if I feel like it's beneficial for the people attending my events then I'm going to do it right and so it's kind of I'm I know I'm kind of taking it to a, a larger scale in terms of not just within the dynamic. But I think when you're talking about the whole just being in that growth mindset and not not being afraid of doing new things or trying new things just based on, but what if I have to do this again? And like with the bringing in the boxes thing, I remember the following event, I think it was, we didn't do that. You hadn't brought in the boxes and we kind of did a quick Yeah, we forgot thing. shit. We yeah, forgot we shit. like did a quick run through of the boxes and I got to the to the event and we're setting up and I'm like, oh my God, like we forgot this, we forgot that, yeah. we didn't stock this. So then it became a thing of not necessarily you have to bring the boxes in on the morning of an event so that we can get them whatever. But it was, we need to still, even if we're doing it in the garage, we got to use my list, my checklist. We have to be more diligent about making sure that we yeah. get those things in. But like... Here's the thing, though. So here's an example. Obviously, the box being brought in each morning should be the standard, and it should become an expectation. The worst thing that's going to happen by doing anticipatory service and having some of those things become expectations or become, like, routine is that you grow and do better, and that's not bad. But um, let's talk about how to implement some of this into your life, especially if you are a submissive with anxiety or an S-type with anxiety, um, and if you share some fears surrounding anticipatory service, let's talk about that. First off, I don't think it's time to do anticipatory service when you're learning. When you are learning how to master something, it's not the time, in my opinion. So like, if you're brand new to a dynamic, you should be mastering the things that are being asked of you first. I feel like that's totally understandable and reasonable. So like if you're, if you just started a dynamic and you have five protocols to memorize and you're supposed to wash the dishes and walk the dogs and 
make coffee and this is all new to you, it's going to take time to learn how to do these things to your dominance preferences. It just is. And if you are so frantic about trying to impress them, impress them, impress them, but you're not taking the time to master these basics, it's going to burn you out. It's going to frustrate them. Like anticipatory service is when you have mastered your basics. And that's also for me, like I wish I had known to say that and frame it like that when I was younger and earlier in this dynamic because I think I wouldn't have taken anticipatory service off the table for as long as I did, which is what I did, by the way. I literally said, I don't want to do this type of service. I just want you to tell me what you need and I'll give it to you. Like, she consented to that. Like, she heard my boundary and she respected it. But honestly, I don't know that I should have been allowed to set that boundary or that that boundary the way that I said it was healthy. I think I did it because I was learning at the time and I was panicky, right? But so give yourself permission to master and learn skills and then allow anticipatory service to be something that you can reach for. Unless your dominant does not want it, anticipatory service can look a bit like this. It can look like noticing that your dominant, I don't know, always has a crick in their neck every time they wake up. And so you look up things to help with that and you find like, a heat pack that's really special or you find like a massager or something like that or maybe you learn how to massage that and you give that gift to the dominant they might have never voiced the need but suddenly here is this s-type who cares enough about them to have noticed a non-voiced need or want like it's very hard it requires you to really focus on your dominant but it's a form of love and care that many dominants love because they're seeking service in their dynamics typically to begin with This is a form of elevated service if the dominant is receptive to it. It's really good. Have you ever had that friend who, like, gets you the perfect gift because they actually pay attention and write down weird things that you say and you're like, oh, my God, how did you know I wanted this? And they're like, I pay attention to you. I've had those friends. It shocks me every time, and I want to be like that. And for me, a lot of my journey as a submissive has been learning skills I don't naturally have because I want to have them. I want to be of service. I want to learn how to help. I want to put someone else first. I'm not good at that, or at least I wasn't. I think I'm getting good at it. Let me, let me rephrase. I wasn't good at that because I, I had not been given opportunities in my childhood and in my young adulthood to think that way. I have become much better at it, and I'm getting better every day. I did not learn how to do anticipatory service, and I think it's a really beautiful way of showing love. And so part of my submissive journey is learning that. And I think it's okay if you're listening to this and you don't feel confident about these things. It's not about how you feel right now. It's about who do you want to be? Like legit, who do you want to be? What service do you think you want to offer? And how can you get there? You know? Well, and it also doesn't have to be big. Like it doesn't have to be difficult or complicated it can it can like back to the tea thing it can be something where you're already making yourself a cup of tea and so you even just ask your dominant I'm making some tea would you like a cup like it's maybe not the you know agreed upon I have a cup of coffee every morning thing it's in addition to that right it's a oh it's 2 p.m. and I'm making a cup of tea would you like a cup of tea and just being offered that you know even if the d-type's like no I'm good thank you it's that is still 
offering anticipatory service. Like it doesn't have yeah. to be big or complicated. What I would do if you want to start incorporating anticipatory service into your relationship, your dynamic, or even your friendships with people who you like to serve, who like being served by you, I would think of one thing a day if you see them every day or one thing each time you see them, if it's like once a week or whatever, that you do that is thoughtful that they didn't ask for that they would appreciate. Just one. I would, I would give yourself that challenge. Like, what's one nice thing I could do today? Because that's kind of what I do for myself. I, I mean, I don't do it every day, but whenever I have that extra energy, I'm thinking constantly, what could I do that's more? What could I do that would really make her feel good? You know, I have these little, they're legitimately love notes, I swear. They're, I, I bought them for this exact purpose. They're miniature envelopes that I write notes to her on. And I don't do them all the time. I do them when I feel intuitively like I have the energy or it's necessary or I just want her to know I love her. And I hide them around. This isn't exactly anticipatory service, but it is not normal. It's not typical. It's not part of our regulated interactions. And it shows I'm thinking of you and I love you. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's just small things like that. It doesn't have to be this horrible, scary thing where, like, the bar is always moving. You can just choose to raise your own bar. And... It is a good sign if something that you do becomes a new rule. Even if that's hard or scary at first, you can do it. You did it once, you can do it again. If it feels too big, you can talk to your dominant or, you know, whoever about it feels too big. But, like, this is how a relationship grows. It's how a dynamic grows is when the S-type and the D-type are both showing up for each other in different ways. I want my dominant to feel loved and cared for. I want to feel loved and cared for. I'm not the only person growing and pushing my boundaries in this relationship. My dominant is too. She's also growing and changing. And I hope in 10 years from now, we're like super powered humans because of how much work we're doing to grow and grow and grow. And I hope our dynamic is fucking strong as fuck. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Anticipatory service. Boom. Strengthen your dynamic. <laughs> All right. We're going to end this episode <laughs> with a little story. The so story is... I don't know how long ago. Several years ago. It was like the first year of our relationship, I think. Probably. First or second, because it was... No, so he... Hold on. No, it was when we were in our last apartment. Well, but this is about how it happened. The first year of our... The first... Sorry. This is a story about how I forgot about Mother's Day. Well, you didn't forget about Mother's Day, but I'm not not your mom. mom, right? And I have children, and it was... I've never been the partner of someone who had children. Right. And the first Mother's Day that passed when I was dating you, you had a different partner who like did stuff for you or I don't know what happened, but it wasn't on me to celebrate Mother's Day for you. So I had never been told by anyone that if you have a partner who's a mom on Mother's Day, you're supposed to celebrate (laughs) them. It just did not occur to me. And I feel very stupid even now admitting that that did not occur to me. Well, I mean, it just may have been what you were exposed to growing up or I don't know. But like basically Mother's Day happened, I don't know, four years ago, whatever. Um, And I think like the kids, I don't know. Did the kids do anything? Like the kids got me cards or something? The kids did nothing because they had no parent in their life telling them to do it because their dad didn't remind them because we don't remind them for father's day really either i mean actually that's not true i do remind them but 
there was no parent on the other side of the street helping out with this. And I, as the other co-parent person, which again, I was very new, like I didn't think of myself in that term, those terms at that time. Uh, I did not remind the children because I could barely remember myself. I have forgotten my own parents on Father's and Mother's Day. So like I am historically bad with these holidays. So yeah, so the kids hadn't really done much of anything. Um, I think actually your daughter did do something. I don't want to throw her under the bus. Maybe the older one did something. Yeah. But it just wasn't, it wasn't a lot. And it was probably, even if they did their best, they're kids. They can't drive anywhere to get anything or like they were limited. And especially, you know, even just three or four years ago, we're talking about, you know, like 11 and 14 or whatever well, so they're young and you know they can't do a whole lot what makes it worse is that we had a friend who got you a bouquet for mother's day who's not dating you who like just remembered that it was mother's day and who knows how to treat women who are mothers <laughs> and like when he dropped off the flowers i was like it was my first indication of like oh my god i didn't get her a card that's not a big deal right it's fine right no <laughs> No, it was not fine. Laying in bed that night, I look over to see tears in her eyes, tears in her <laughs> eyes. And I felt like an actual fucking monster. And I was like, oh, my God, what's wrong? And she's like, Mother's Day, it's just, I didn't expect, I don't need anything, but I just sort of wanted you to do something. And I was like, holy fuck. It was one of the only times uh. in this relationship that I have fucked up. Um, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. Well, and I mean, I don't want to sound like a jerk. Like it wasn't, it's not like expected, like you must buy me shit or whatever. It's just more of like, I think too, like being a single mom for, for so many years, it's like you do a lot and it's the one day and then your kids are too young to like do a lot. And if you're still married or with the partner that you have the kids with, then they're there to do the things. And so it just was, I felt a little well overlooked. We want to tell the story because of what I did next. So this is kind of an example of anticipatory service, but not really at all. This is an example of, oops, I fucked up. How do I fix it? Service. Um, I wish I had anticipated my dominance needs and have been thinking about her and thinking about this day and, I wish that my headspace had been different back then. And I just want to point out, I wasn't angry at you. I, I was just you sad. You were very sad. And it's okay that you were sad. And you don't need to excuse that I'm that was sad for you. just letting them know. You were let letting down. Letting our listeners know. I know. But it was reasonable <laughs> that you were let down. And you're allowed to have feelings about it. Um, so I knew that I had to do something. But I didn't know what. And so I, like, asked her for a couple of days to, like, find another time to do it better and I ended up creating a holiday that year called Miss Jen Day that took place like three days after Mother's Day. And there was like pennants that I bought that said Happy Miss Jen Day and like a huge giant card that I drew a monkey on because she calls me Monkey and that's my nickname. Um, and I got her presents and I think I like, I don't know if I like took her out to eat or did her like a foot massage or something, but she was celebrated and she was she accepted the offering of the knockoff <laughs> holiday, but then let me know. So this is every year, right? And that it became an expectation. And maybe that's what it, like shell shocked me. It's like, oh my god, when I do things above and beyond, they become holidays. We have a holiday now. It, the date changes. It moves around depending on what's going on. But every year, Miss Day is observed in our relationship. Um, and I, 
I don't want to undo it, but I also can't. It is now an expectation as a result of the Mother's Day fuck Debacle. up from, you know, back in the early years. Um, it's actually really fun to have a separate holiday around Mother's Day um, to celebrate my dominant. And I think it's this year we didn't do as many decorations. I usually decorate. Um, it just financially wasn't the it's right choice. <laughs> but it was still a day where, like, I tried to focus on her. And um, it wasn't my favorite Miss Jen Day. I think next year will be a much better Miss Jen Day. But I did get her a card, which I, like, thoughtfully drew on and made as gay as possible. And um, the reason I bring this up, though, is because sometimes really beautiful things come from from doing something above and beyond or doing something really um, out of the box. Also, the other takeaway is don't forget Mother's Day. Don't forget it. <laughs> don't forget any holidays. If your partner yeah. is a gender and that gender is being celebrated in some way on a holiday, <laughs> don't forget that. Like, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, oh, my God, if your partner is a mother, they're also your responsibility on Mother's Day. Um, I also forgot my dad's birthday like two years ago. I really am getting better about it. Like, I had to change my ways, but like dates Just are hard outing for me. yourself all over the place. I am. I've never forgiven myself. I forgot my dad's birthday and then I called him on his birthday to ask him for help with finances. And he was helping me the whole phone call. And then at the end of the phone call, he didn't say a thing. At the end of the phone call, I went, oh my God, wait, dad, is today your birthday? And he's like, it is. And I was like, (laughs) happy birthday. I, surprise. It was horrible. Um, Anyways, yeah, the moral of the story is anticipatory service, good. Your dad still loves you. My dad does still love me. And... Uh, and now I have we never have Miss Day. Never missed a holiday again. And now we have an extra holiday, Miss <laughs> Day. Um, so, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I could speak a lot more about anxiety and how that's affected my experience as a submissive. If you are curious about that um, or you want more, I would love to hear from you in the Discord server. Um, it is free to join. So go ahead and jog on over to the server and mention that you that you listened to this and you want more if you do. If you hated this, tell us in the server and give a five-star review so that we really hear it. Um, that five-star review will let us know that you, you want change. Um, if you liked us, five-star review us. Actually, just in general, please just five-star review us. Um, it's a three-legged poopy. So what she just said was there's a three-legged dog. In case you were worried that there was a three-legged piece of shit walking down the street that she's stopping to look at. No, no. There's a dog. Is he really three-legged? It's a tripod, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. I I got a little distracted. Uh, Thank you so much to our team who has helped us to make all of this possible. We're talking, of course, about Lena Tussled and Sid. They all contribute to our Discord server, to our website, um, just to team building exercises and to content creation. They all, in some way or another, have contributed to those things, and we really value them so much, and we really wouldn't be here without them, so thank you. Um, And of course, we're going to mention... Pudding! Pudding! We love saying pudding's name at the end of every every episode. <laughs> Honestly, like it's just fun. Um, or in the a, middle, we did the middle one. Sometimes one time, we do. Yeah. Pudding is a call me kinkling, um, which is the top tier of our Patreon. You too can be a patron for only a dollar or dollar, more. Dollar. It's up to you. Uh, but there are benefits at all of the tiers. We'd love to have you as a patron. But even if you're not a patron and you're just a kinkling who is listening in, we love you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And we will see you next time here on K is for Kink. Miss Jen, (laughs) here on (laughs) 
K is for kinky. Bye, precious kinklings. Bye.